privileged to uh, take the sermon today and to be able to share and continue on with the series on Titus. Um, I think that we'll just start off with reading the passage, so if you could please turn your Bibles to Titus 2, verses 9 to 15. So it starts off saying, Urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters, in everything to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that, we might re- that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Let's just pray a blessing of the Lord's word this morning. Father, it's such a privilege to be here, to open your word and to to hear you speak to us. I just pray, Lord, this time will be about you and what you would have for us what you want to say to us, that we'll take it in and that we will apply it to our lives in the weeks to come. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if uh, this comes as a surprise to any of you, but lighthearted, sermon-friendly ways of introducing bond slavery, like anecdotes and things like that, are pretty hard to come by, and I don't think I'm courageous enough to even go looking for them. Um, I talked to Caddy briefly about the possibility of me making a corny marriage joke um, in relationship to uh, slavery, and she figured it would be a bad idea and likely that I'd get cut down to half rations if I did, which probably is a good thing if it did happen, but we're just going to move on. Um, Obviously, when we think of slavery today, it's a very different thing than what people in the Greco or the Roman world thought of it. Those people could go to places of even overseer or places of, of um, responsibility in someone's, in their master's household. So um, when Paul is talking to slaves in this time, I kind of felt like in this day and age, the application would be more to us as employees, us as, as workers, and that's kind of where I, I'm sort of taking Paul's principles and uh, moving forward then. So, when we look at verses 9 and 10, the crux of this text is that our lives, no matter what our lot, no matter where we find ourselves, our position, our pay grade, is to do, um, the purpose is to adorn the gospel of our Savior. Okay, And we do that by who we are and how we, how we live, how we, how, we, how we work. Now, I feel that this is something that we should really um, soberly think about in our, in our days and lives. And I, myself, even before looking at preparing this sermon, 
have found myself in a, in a process the year, this year of reevaluating who I am in my job. Who am I perceived as? And um, is the gospel present? Is the gospel visible in, in how I am as a colleague, how I, I am as an educator, um, and just as an employee? Does the gospel of Christ show itself in my life day to day? Do I seek to be well-pleasing? Or am I argumentative? Am I hard to get along with? What about pilfering? Now, this was um, the word that, that Paul used to, talk, to, to encourage slaves not to be taken dishonestly from their, from their masters, right? Um, but what about us in our jobs? Now, I'm sure that all of us would have no problem whatsoever agreeing that loading the back of the car with the office supplies from, the, from work or taking tools or your favorite red stapler or whatever it may be is a, is a bad thing, right? This is, this is obviously pilfering. But what about our time? How do we spend our time at work? Um, for myself, I work often one-on-one with a young man who despite, or in, in light of how his, his health is from time to time, may not be there. And that means that sometimes I'm running around the school looking for things, places I can fill in and stuff. Um, and on some days, if he's even, say, working independently, I start thinking, okay, well, I want to encourage his independence. What should I do now? Those of you who have the misfortune of being Facebook-friended to me know that I do not use Facebook very often. This is not a, a big source of um, temptation for me. But I do get my news from the Internet. And I start thinking to myself, okay, sometimes there's the temptation, if, if Ross is working, to just open up his laptop and see what's happening in the world. Is that a good use? Is that a just use of my time at work? And I don't, think, I don't think it is. And so this year, I've really made a point of seeking to, um, to go and seek out ways so that I can help other students learn, that I can help my colleagues be more successful in their um, teaching and whatnot. And yeah, it's, it, was a sober, it was a sober realization that, that pilfering doesn't always just take the form of what we can take from our employer, but also the, how we spend our time. Are we giving our best with our time? When it comes to um, how we are perceived, when it comes to how we use our time, whatever our job is, who we are at work has the power to bring glory to Jesus Christ. It has the power to give substance that people can see to the gospel in the eyes of our coworkers. And I might ask, why is this important? Well, verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. People who have ever sat down and um, talked to me about ministry or spiritual things know that um, I've been really struck by a quote that's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi that says, preach the gospel at all times, when necessary, use words. 
Yeah. I'll let that just sort of sink in for a sec. Um, at first value, someone might say, well, are you just sort of saying you should never tell anybody about Jesus? And that's not, that's not at all why that quote is sort of struck a chord with me. Um, more so, I just see that there is so much wisdom and so much understanding about uh, like human nature, who we are and, and how, how we relate to one another, what affects us. That um, I see very intimately in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Okay, Christ understood us. He, the Bible says, he fashioned us. He was involved in making us, and he knows us intimately. He knows how people function. And so, from that standpoint. Um, he gets what's going to what's going to to uh, to meet us or what's going to uh, to make an impact on us. Now, when we talk about the um, ministry of Christ, it wasn't just the common people that were blown away by how much authority Christ spoke with, right? Um, we're earlier in Matthew in the the sermon series that we had in Matthew earlier this year. The, um, Jeremy and Mark before him both talked about the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and, and how they were taken back by this authority that Christ had. And yet, his ministry wasn't just categorized, wasn't just defined by his authority. He had a ministry that also was about healing, a ministry that was about miracles, a ministry that was about loving people in action. Sorry, I lost my place. And so with all of this authority that Christ had, he knew at the same time still that we as people sometimes don't just like the, the truth to be told to us. We need to see the truth lived out before us. And that words are often muted if they're without the actions to give them form in our eyes. So, um, man, I really pooched that. When we talk about, when we talk about um, this love and this intentional action, it's not just love as an abject, or sorry, an abstract emotion that we give to someone. When we're, when we're authentically working in front of people, when we're authentically loving people, they see it, right? They experience it on a different level than just words. And so I, um, I've just come to really, really hold to this and, and try to apply this when it comes to my own work situation. And I'll just say again, who we are and how we love has the power to bring glory to Christ and substance that people can see in his gospel. Okay. Now, in verse 12, he goes on to say that God has brought, God has brought salvation in the, in the passage before and then instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Now, 
with Paul exhorting us to, to not only do what is right, he's also coming back and telling us um, to do what is, or, or to refrain from doing what is not right. Um, he touched on, last week in Tony's sermon, he, he talked about some of this, and he touched on um, just the different things that, that can take away from us. In this passage earlier, Paul talks about his, um, like this instance of ungodliness for slaves, right, with the stealing, the pilfering. Um, in our speech, in our behavior, and in our relationships, um, it's very important that we resist selfishness, that we control our passions, and that we live these upright lives that, that God is talking to us about. I, I think about, again, sorry to go back to my own, my own life in, in the school and stuff, but um, to me it's a trust to guard. In this congregation, there are students that go to my school. Right? And so, I'm very, I find myself being very conscious, conscious of the, the reality that I can, if I'm one guy at, at Whitehorse Baptist and someone completely different at Vanier Catholic Senior Secondary, what does that, what does that say to the students of, of this school? The students of this church? Let alone the people that I want to, I want to reach out to, I want to influence for the gospel, right? And so, this teaching about, just about godly living, it, um, again, it just takes, to me, so much the form of how we live, right? My words, if, if, if I'm the most outspoken minister of the gospel at, uh, at school, and don't live it, don't live it before people, then I find that the, the message is muted and people will be turned off. So, yeah. Now, are we always going to get this right? I think any one of you who has watched me grown up or grow up will say, no, no, he's not always going to get it right. But... Um, there are going to be those instances where we succumb to a personal temptation or we have an angry word or an angry thought for a neighbor. In my case, maybe for a fellow motorist. Those are usually just the thoughts. <laughs> um, which is why I just moved to Riverdale, praise the Lord, and I can walk to work every day. Um, but every day there is this battle in us to not fall back into the, the bondage of sin that, that Christ has, has saved us from. And we have, to, we have to rely on the spirit of Jesus Christ each day to keep, just keep the victory. You know? and, and Christ has released us from this. He... <clears throat> Gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed, right? And we have the Holy Spirit to empower us to do that. Now, one of the, uh, one of the ways that in my translation 
Paul talks about adorning the gospel. Now, as you can probably see, I'm not a really blinged out individual. And so this idea of, of adorn was a kind of a funny concept at first for me. But when I really thought about it, it's, it's the, it plays into this idea of us and I, well, okay, that's the wrong way to, th- to think about it too, like, but we are, we're making, like, I give this idea of, of giving the, the gospel substance, right? We are, by our actions, by the things we do right, and the things we abstain from doing that are wrong, we make the gospel attractive to people. That's, that's what I've kind of um, made sort of the, the bare bones understanding for myself. And... Yeah, the gospel is standalone. It's not something that needs a new set of earrings or some lipstick, but it is also this amazing transformative thing, this message that in our hearts can make us new people. Our hearts can help us to, to move forward in faith and victory and empower us to to be the kind of people Christ wants us to be, to be the kind of people that we want to be to our community, to the people that we work with, um, to the people we live beside. And I can't think of a finer way of adorning, if, if that's the word we want to use, um, the gospel than just by this authentic living it out. And this is the task that we've been given. This is the task that we've been given as we wait for, as Paul says, the blessed hope that we have. We look eagerly forward to being with Christ. It's something that I think that many of us in this church have, have thought about a lot this past year as we've, we've said goodbye to some very special people. And um, we have the hope that we're going to see them again. And um, in that, it's about how we spend our time until we get there. So, when I was, when I was going through this passage and looking through some of the, the other ones that connect to it, I was struck by 1 Corinthians 1.30, which says, It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. And that's, that's, the, that's the, the big picture. That's the, that's the big message, is we need to spend our time living that out. We need to experience for ourselves that righteousness the, the celebration of the redemption that we have and then transmit that by living before people in a way that they, they can say, yeah, she's, she's for real. I get it. She, she believes something or he believes something and I see it in their lives. Now... I can't think of something that um, 
that gives us more of a motivation to do this than to see our, our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones come to the same saving knowledge of Christ that we've, we've been blessed with. Um, this is the blessed hope that we talk about. And again, in preparation, in just this process this year of thinking about myself at work, I have all of these faces in my head. You know, people that, that helped me move this week, who I want to be there with me on, when, when I see Christ. This is, you know, we talk about the different ministries in the church. Brianna was getting people supercharged for camp. This is a, a legacy that we've had in this church for, for decades. And the, each one of you can think of people in your life that you know maybe don't know the Lord yet or you suspect don't know the Lord yet. Um, I just really encourage you to, to have those people in the forefront and every time you interact with them, not in a put-on way, not in a way that, that they can see right through from the, from, the, from the get-go, but just in that earnest, authentic love, how you, how you relate to them just be purposeful in, in knowing that, that those, those moments could have eternal value. Now, it's, it's not always the easiest thing. Um, I know that uh, in the context of work sometimes too, there are all kinds of people that maybe we don't get along with. Um, some people here might be the boss in their, in their situation. Some people might be sort of lower on the, on the rung, right? I know that there's been people that I have worked for or worked with in the past that I, I haven't always seen eye to eye with or found it easy to work for. And yet, in those moments as well, the obedience and gratitude that we feel to God has to somehow translate into then how we, we relate to them. Yeah? Um, and I suppose this was another one of those, those threads that kind of made me try to draw a parallel between our, our work, our labor, and not so much being slaves, but who we are at work. Um, If sucking it up one day and doing a job that I don't like doing or don't feel it's fair for me to do or just being okay with a situation like that is maybe the thing that causes someone to question why my faith means something to me. Why, maybe, why, is, the, why is this guy doing this and everyone else, everyone else won't do that job for me? That obedience again, has that potential for eternal value. And, and so, even when it's hard, those are, those are the, the moments that I think can really pay off. And so today, I'd just like to leave you with um, the encouragement 
and exhortation that as people we are eagle we are eagle to, are eager eagle that's for the Haynes folks there um, <laughs> we are eager to do what is good in whichever place that God has placed us um, be it as a stay-at-home mom as the boss as a tradesperson as a police officer a custodian an educator a missionary um, let us be people that are committed to living out the gospel of Christ before people. Let us be people that want our lives to be authentic and our love and service to be something that is seen visibly for the people around us.